Welcome to a special edition of Center Ed Teaching. Uh, this Monday special release podcast comes from our partnership with New York City Mayor's Office and the One Book, One New York initiative. This initiative seeks to bring together book-loving New Yorkers to read the same book and engage in lively discussion about the book. As a part of this, CPET has created resources to help book clubs facilitate conversations. These resources can be found at our website, um, cpet.tc.columbia.edu. Additionally, CPET has recorded this to model some of the best practices for an effective book club and generate ideas for discussion. In the first of these special podcasts, the CPET Book Club explores the first two parts of the book. While only snippets of this conversation will be shared, the conversation demonstrates three key traits of a quality book discussion. The first is identifying a leader for the discussion to ask questions and facilitate broader conversation. The second is beginning questions and conversations with passages directly from the book. And the third and final one is giving everyone in the group equal opportunity to speak. The book talk that you are about to listen to also brings up interesting questions of how to handle conversations across cultural lines. In a book talk, each person in a group has a different life story and different perspectives to bring to the conversation. Sometimes, when group members' backgrounds differ greatly from one another, conversations can be hard. In this book talk, you will hear a group incredibly open about discussing these issues and contextualizing experiences that are relatable and those that are not in order to probe the complicated themes and ideas in Americana. We hope by listening to this conversation, you find starting points for your own conversations. Please enjoy. So since this is our first uh, time meeting for our, this book club on Americana, part of the One Book, One New York initiative here in New York City, Americana is our text. And today we're talking about books, parts one and two. Uh, since this is our first session together, I thought it would be great if everybody wants to just go around the circle and introduce yourself and maybe any connections that you found between yourself and the main character, Ephemalu. Who would like to start? Courtney. Oh my gosh, did I say that? <laughs> I wanted to start. Um, I think that mainly for me, um, this focus on moving between cultures and trying to figure out your identity in a new culture and then kind of going back to your old culture with being informed by your new and that back and forth. Um, somewhat familiar to me, and I can relate to it. Hmm. Uh, so in those ways, I, I can relate to Ephemalu, um, probably best. Yeah. Anybody else? And we know you really well, but for the sake of maybe people who are listening in today, okay. can you just say a little bit about yourself? Hey, everybody. Uh, I've worked here at CPET for about eight years. Um, and before that, I was an English teacher who loved talking about literature and reading with my students for, oh, over 17 years, middle school and high school. Um, and I've had the pleasure of working with the folks around the table here now for a while and working as a coach uh, out of CPET for, as I said, eight years. Thanks. Marcel, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. So I'm Marcel. I have been working with CPED for the last eight years. I do professional development and a range of other things that we um, do and offer um, at CPED, including school publications for high school kids. Um, and so I'm really excited to be part of the One Book Project. Um, I've taught high school English in my native um, South Africa for the 15 years before coming to the U.S. and I've lived in the U.S. and um, in particular in New York City 
um, for almost 12 years. And so there's a lot of um, the, the main character's um, feelings and, and um, emotions that when I started reading the book really churned heavily um, inside of me emotionally mm-hmm. because I remember just even the opening line um, of the book where she says, you know, it smelled like mm-hmm. nothing. And I remember coming to New York in 2005 feeling so lost and so attuned with my senses in that everything smelled and looked and tasted and just like tactilely was different from mm. from where I was used to. And I came to New York when I was 35 mm-hmm. and it was the first time that I had lived outside of the borders of South Africa. And so that was a, a lot of what happens in this book with her just going through the emotions of, of it is, is really, um, really hard for me sometimes. And like reading mm. the book was hard. And so I'm I'm excited to be able to discuss some of some of those points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks. Um, I'm Faith, and I think I'll locate myself for our book club here. Um, I was just thinking about the first book club that um, I was in. It was I was working at East High School in Denver, and it would they read Harry Potter, mm-hmm. the first Harry Potter, and I was quite surprised that Hermione was Hermione because the whole book I had called her Hermione as I was reading it. So it was very fun to get together and hear some pronunciations. Um, yeah, I, I really connect to, the, um, to this whole idea of moving somewhere new. Um, probably because when I was a kid, I moved all the time. So I thought, I'm good at moving. I can move around. I'm really used to it. Get right in school. Get, get used to people. But as an adult, when I moved from Denver to New York, it was, uh, my senses were, I felt like really assaulted mm. with like sound and not mm. being able to find any place quiet right. and, and everything definitely seemed different, smelled different. Everything mm. seemed to feel different, like my, with my yeah. whole body. So when I read that, I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah. Maybe some of the discomfort, that mm. kind of thing. So that's how I connected when I first started reading the book. Hey, I'm Brian. Uh, this is my first book club ever. Um, yay. Um, and um, I don't want to sound contrarian, but I didn't connect with the family at all. Mm-hmm. And um, I think, uh, well, hey, how refreshing is it that the white guy didn't uh, connect with our protagonist? But um, I, I, I have traveled a lot. I've lived abroad a couple of times. I've moved all over the U.S., um, and I found that a lot of um, the sort of um, fish out of waterness, the, mm, the uncom- mm. discomfort, the the culture shock, all that, I sort of yeah, okay, mm. like and it just sort of rolled for me. Mm-hmm. So um, and additionally, a lot of the 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 challenges that she found herself facing, um, you know, when she landed in a new place, just even figuring out, you know, um, like what to eat mm-hmm. or right, mm-hmm. that. So yeah, mm-hmm. that's how it works. Mm-hmm. Yep. So um, yeah, I'm I'm really like been looking forward to this conversation because I sort of uh, I don't know I want to I want to know what I'm missing in the book. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Brian. I'm Roberta, and a former English teacher and a lover of literature that I don't get to read very often. I mom, I have three kids and a job and. A messy house so the idea of sort of sitting around and reading has been a luxury and it's been a pleasure to to read this book a lot and it's brought me back to my own past mm-hmm. um i i had i did not move around a lot 
but I did have a boyfriend uh, in high school that then I dated through college and over a really, really long period of time. It was sort of one of those, like, first love, first time, first, you know, everything, uh, all sorts of growing together in your experiences. And then, um, so so a lot of this sort of, like, early love and sort of finding yourself mm-hmm. through the eyes of someone mm-hmm. else mm-hmm. Uh, and sort of growing your identity in that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, those were things that were really connecting mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. to the book, even though there were lots of parts of where... It was not a story of my life, Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. but I found there were some really, some powerful truths, Mm. at least things that I was resonating with. Mm. One of the things that happens pretty early on in the story is this, all the stuff about hair. And so I Mm. found a quote that I thought would be a good place to start us off Mm -hmm. uh, and just maybe to talk a little bit about the role that that plays. The quote is on page 49 and it says, if Emily had grown up in the shadow of her mother's hair... Mm-hmm. It was black, black, so thick it drank two containers of relaxer at the salon, so full it took hours under hooded dryer, and when finally released from pink rollers, sprang free and full, flowing down her back like a celebration. Mm-hmm. Here's a big deal later in the page. Mm-hmm. Her mother yep. cuts all of her hair off, and yeah. it fall. I remember so vividly, I'm not even looking at my book, but... It, that fell to the ground mm. like dead grass. Right, mm. right, right. Yeah. Um, so I, I just want to maybe, this is a place for us to start. How did this passage strike you? Does your hair have this kind of meaning to you? Uh, and why or why not? It's sort of like our hair connection to our identity. Yeah. It just grows on our head. Like, what's the big deal? Mm. <laughs> or on your face, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or on your yeah. face, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, even when the book starts, right, she's in the beauty salon and yeah. she's having her hair braided. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, immediately for me, that's a connection, right? I'm um, designated by race in South Africa and hair has always been such an issue in the in the community I come from. And whether mm-hmm. your hair was straighter or coarser, dependent on whether you were considered beautiful or mm-hmm. not. And so my mother, because where I'm from, we're traditionally of mixed race. And so my mother has finer, nicer, mm. nicer in inverted comma, mm. hair than mine. And so I have the, the family straight of, of thicker, coarser um, ethnic hair. And I remember as a child having my mother and my aunts and my grandmothers processing my hair Mm. with um, chemical relaxes to mm-hmm. straighten it. Mm-hmm. And as a child, always looking at my mom's hair, because she used to wear it really long when I was growing up, at how she could wash her hair mm. and then wrap it. And then she didn't have to do anything that, that needed it to be straightened so that it could be beautiful. And mm-hmm. so when I read this quote the first time, I literally cried. Mm. Like I cried so bitterly for... A community and an understanding of of being a black woman and what her hair means mm. and how how as a child I've always wished that my hair was like my mom's right and even now when my mom sees my hair because I maybe ten years ago I stopped processing my hair and so it just, it's literally grown out of my head I think like God I always tell people it grows as God intended mm-hmm. it to grow and so it's like this wild bush beautiful thing and when my mother sees my hair she says to me she often says I'm so sorry 
Mm. And I asked the ones, why are you sorry? And she said, I remember when you cried and you had scabs on your head from the, from mm. the chemicals. Yeah. And I told you that it's okay because you look pretty. Mm. Right? And so it's really hard to be able to, to justify that even now for young girls. And so even when I'm, when I'm at schools now and I'm, I'm in the Bronx where I'm at schools and I see these young teenage girls these masses of beautiful black curly hair mm-hmm. I keep saying to them your hair is beautiful mm-hmm. oh my god your hair is gorgeous mm-hmm. because I want them to know that they don't have to do anything else to it right mm-hmm. so it's like this this drag of, of womanhood and black womanhood especially um, mm-hmm. and reading this part of, of, of Ephraim and how she struggles to, to justify her hair because it doesn't bounce curly mm-hmm. and free and beautiful mm-hmm. in inverted commas like her mom's mm-hmm. and so that's yeah it, it, clearly wow. you can yeah I'm really it makes me really angsty and, and mm-hmm. emotional just thinking about it yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah I've never had the experience before of having to hurt myself to mm. try to be beautiful. Mm. I mean, it's partly because I'm just so beautiful. Mm. <laughs> it could be. Clearly. It could be. No, but I, I feel like that's really troubling. Right. But I think yeah. we do it in different ways, right? It, I think it doesn't really... It's something that transcends race, but it doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. transcend womanhood mm-hmm. or gender. Mm-hmm. I think women... We pluck our eyebrows sure. in different ways. We wear shape. the mascara in different ways. Mm-hmm. We shape our lipstick and our colors. I mean, if you look at pictures of yourself 10, 15 years mm-hmm. back, right? And you're like, yeah. oh my God, was that really considered the rage? Right. Who let me out of the house like yeah. this? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's like, it's this thing where you're like, but why are my cheekbones so very, very bright red, right? Who said that this <laughs> right. that, that yeah. blusher was yeah, supposed yeah. to be the thing? And so we do this thing. And so it's, it's not just, I think it transcends like, race and, and hair in this regard because it's it's something that, that as women and, and beauty and how beauty mm-hmm. is perceived mm-hmm. is so different also and so yeah. there's a little bit of that I think we all hurt ourselves a little bit whether we're thin whether mm-hmm. we're considered you know the social norm of beauty whether our hair hangs straight whether it mm-hmm. hangs curly mm-hmm. it, we hurt ourselves because we measure our beauty by these mm-hmm. standards mm-hmm. that are unattainable sometimes because they're not who we are mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think back to um, being in high school and really wanting to, I wanted an asymmetrical bob, and I wanted to dye part of my hair, <laughs> right. like, purple, you know? Right. And just the arguments that I was never allowed to do it. I mean, I lived in a family, um, no makeup, nothing was allowed, mm-hmm. and so it's mm-hmm. kind of interesting, because I, I would have thought, it's not really about beauty, because I, I'm not, I wasn't allowed to wear stuff to, so I was like, was it I was supposed to be fine the way I was but then when it came to hair Mm. it was so important my mom was like you will not put any color on your hair and it was a Mm. battle Mm -hmm. which I just look back and Mm. think why 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 did we want to like why did she want to battle over that but it was really important and she thought and to the I I put colors in my hair I don't know uh eight years ago or whatever and I saw her and she said well, you know how I feel about that. I just mm. don't. Wow. And I just thought, Still. isn't that interesting? Mm. And she said, it just, it's not pretty. Mm. And that mm. was, it's still about something about looking pretty, mm. something. Mm. It's interesting, too, how I love hearing both of you guys talk about your moms, right, in relation to it, like if Emilu does. Um, I think that what's so interesting, too, is that 
then we begin to embody that, right? We mm-hmm. begin to act yeah. out. And we, as women, and men too in certain ways, right, Brian? Um, we begin to really uh, play with our identities through our hair. Right. And what, what's so interesting to me is that as different as my straight kind of thin hair is from Marcel's, say, which is much thicker, right? And mm-hmm. you've got a lot more hair and it's very beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, we also fixate on it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we also, yeah. a lot yeah. of our identity comes out. So to me, I've been thinking a lot. And as I read the book, um, and as we said, hair is such a theme, right? Comes up in so many ways. Um, I've been thinking about how it unites and divides us mm-hmm. as yeah. people. Yeah. Yeah. Because when we begin to talk about it and scratch the surface, um, how we, how much control we have over our hair and mm-hmm. how much we kind of play with it or change it is also directly related in some ways for women uh, to many aspects of their identity, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, for example, I feel like if my hair is too blonde, then I'm, I'm faking it, like mm-hmm. I'm kind of covering up. Mm-hmm. Right. But if I don't color it a little bit, I don't really feel dressed up or put mm-hmm. together. And mm-hmm. so yeah. it's mm-hmm. really yeah. interesting, right? And that color, idea of... Yeah. of who who are we trying to be beautiful for? Right? Yeah, right. Yeah, is it for myself or mm-hmm. is it for a lover or for you know right. for someone else? Yeah. Or is it just like to to not stand out right. or yeah. is it to right. stand out? Right. 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 One thing that I felt like I could connect with was when Femalu cuts her hair really short. Mm-hmm. Yes. So in, uh, in chapter twenty, kind of jumping ahead. It, um, she cuts her hair, her hair short and develops this whole new relationship with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and as a result of relationship with her hair, mm-hmm. she sort of right. redefines a sense of self. That's right. And I, I'm, I just, is, you know, we have these two then parallel situations. Her mother mm-hmm. cutting her hair sort of as a point to this sort of like religious conversions mm-hmm. that she's mm-hmm. having. That's mm-hmm. right. And mm-hmm. then FM c- cuts her hair as sort of the a forced rejection I mean, mm-hmm. she does it because of the burning the processing is causing such damage I, I guess I'm just trying to think like is this the same action does it have the same impact like is this a parallel structure mm-hmm. between the mother cutting her hair and a femme cutting her hair and the impact that that has on identity I think when for me when I cut my hair, there's always a remaking, mm-hmm. right? And so I think when FM's mom cuts her hair, it's a, it's a spiritual remaking mm-hmm. of something that she's hoping to find mm-hmm. with that, right? And I think when FM cuts her hair, it's a different kind of remaking. Mm-hmm. And like it's almost like she's forced into it because the scabs were so bad and the mm-hmm. burning is so mm-hmm. bad that she's like, it, like she does it. And so I think for me, I've always cut my hair like really short at crazy pivotal mm. times and when mm-hmm. I'm going through like whatever emotion in my head that's when I cut my yeah. hair and like for years I grew it out and it was beautiful and whatever and then um, my ex-husband and I split up and I remember walking into a barber shop mm. and asking the man to cut an inch off the hair and he misunderstood because he spoke Spanish and I oh. spoke English yeah. And, and so he more. cut the he took the first the front part of uh, my hair and cut it uh, to an inch's length, and I don't uh, I wear glasses and so I put my glasses back on oh and my. he said, "You like?" and I was like, "I love it. Keep going, right?" Uh, and then he cut oh my all gosh. my hair off. He cut off maybe like ten, twelve inches off wow. my hair, and I walked out of there going like, "Oh my god, did what you did cry? I do?" I didn't, and I went home and I showered and my kids came back from their father and my oldest who was maybe ten at the time came in and said. Your hair looks beautiful. You look uh-huh. lovely uh-huh. and happy. 
Are we going out for dinner? And I said, <laughs> We are going out for dinner. <laughs> and so, it, was this, it was this thing, yeah. and, I, yeah. and I realized, yeah. like, yeah. oh my god, every time I looked in the mirror, it was like yeah. a new recognition of myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think we do that at different stages, right? Whether it's it's in sorrow and we remake ourselves mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. sorrow or the spiritual, but we also remake ourselves every time we. Sh- change your hairstyle yeah. mm-hmm. or totally. because like when you look in the mirror like you see yeah a different you and yeah. even you like if you decide the day to shave your beard yeah. i would probably walk by you on the street right and be like mm. I, I didn't recognize yeah. you and like when you see yourself there's always this yeah the startle of when you see yourself in a reflection yeah. mm-hmm. after you cut something and, yeah. well and you know what's so interesting I, I love thinking about this because they both cut their hair. It does signal this identity shift, as you're talking about, Marcel, or a conversion of sorts. Right. But it's really interesting, the story with the femalu, it's a slower conversion. And when she looks in the mirror, as you said, she's so uncomfortable, she doesn't go to work for three days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's really, right? So she's mm-hmm. really trying to deal with it. Then, of course, she finds her website. What was it called? The Kinky Hair Mm -hmm. site. Mm -hmm. And that kind of helps her begin to understand and develop a community around her hair to help her get comfortable with it. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, her boyfriend is saying, it's beautiful, it's beautiful, just like your kids were saying, Marcel. But still, it takes her, apparently, a couple of weeks, right, Mm -hmm. to get comfortable with it. And then she talks about fully embracing her natural hair, right? So it's a move towards uncovering and... Yeah. becoming natural right. and trying to really right. look in the mirror and just yeah. be herself. And her mom's, I think, was a little bit different it's from different, that, right? I, and her I mom's, there, there's some, I don't want to say aggression about it, right? But no. she burns, she starts to burn the That's hair. Right. Mm-hmm. right, it is. It's yeah. very violent. It's very right. the ritual mm-hmm. of it, right? Yeah. And so I'm just really interested in those two different kind of approaches yeah. or the impact mm-hmm. of cutting mm-hmm. your hair. Mm-hmm. One of the things that jumped out to me because I'm kind of a history nerd was yeah. um, I thought back to at the end of the second war um, women who had been accused of collaborating with Nazis mm. um, as an act of public shaming had their heads shaved in the mm. public square mm. um, and in both cases these women are cutting off long hair which mm. is like a signifier of feminine beauty mm-hmm. or it's mm-hmm. meant to be mm-hmm. the long mm-hmm. flowing straight mm-hmm. hair yeah, that's right. um, and um, so at the same time that there's a conversation going on here about Black hair. There's also a conversation going on again mm-hmm. about women's hair, female right. hair. Yeah, right. Um, and to the extent that they both voluntarily cut off all their hair, mm-hmm. it seems like they're also rejecting these put upon notions sure. of feminine beauty. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, their their conversions, as we've said, are are, are quite different. That's mm-hmm. right. Um, and um, I think we where it really came home for me was when if Emily goes to work and people are asking her like what sort of a political statement is are you a lesbian but there are all yeah. these very yeah. very gendered assumptions yeah. women yes. ought to have long right. hair yeah, they're right. told to so um, yeah. that, that was one thing that, that came to me mm-hmm. yeah. hmm. as, you're, as you're saying that Brian I'm thinking of like cultures where women have their heads shaved or their heads mm. are shaved for them when people in their family die. Yes. Right? Yeah. Or they lose their widow. And so it's like mm-hmm. this this grieving process mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. across cultures, across the, the mm-hmm. world, right? And so it's like, yeah. I wonder what the... the, the mm. And like, when FM's mom cuts her hair, it's like, you know, it yeah. lies there like dead grass mm. and then she burns it. And so it's mm. like, it reminds mm. me of the first time I remember reading um, some of the, the, the cultures in... In India, when mm-hmm. women, you know, had their head shaved or even right. were burned mm-hmm. on the pyres with yeah. their dead husbands, right? And so, like, what does that grief look like? That's and right. so, it's crazy. Like, and then, you know, 
there is the belief of reincarnation and so mm-hmm. I wonder like what does our rebirth mm-hmm. look like mm-hmm. when, when our hair is That's different right. and grows right. out and mm-hmm. what happens inside ourselves and in our psyche when our hair grows out mm-hmm. the way we want it to be yeah. like it's mm-hmm. changing gears a little bit um one of the things that really connected with me in the book um was a time in which uh Femme became very depressed mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and yeah and is there's a quote from chapter 15 she says she wakes up every day at war yeah. with the world yeah. and mm. woke up each day feeling bruised mm. and um, i just what did you think about the sort of there, it's not very long that yeah. she's in this state, and it's sort of after the, you know, she sort of put herself in a position. You can look at that a few different ways, I suppose, mm-hmm. but um, with the mm-hmm. tennis coach. Yep. So yeah. I guess the question yeah. is, like, how realistic is this descent mm-hmm. into feeling depressed, and what brings her to the ultimate desolation she must feel mm-hmm. um, after she takes this tennis coach up on his on his offer to mm-hmm. help him relax in quotes. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, as far as, like, as when I was reading it, uh, I mean, it definitely felt real to me. Um, especially since she's encountering, uh, like, so many new things and, and trying to get her feet under her and being so... I remember there was one line that was, like, every single, like, day or every time she woke up, she thought about the money she needed to get yeah. and um, the desperation that she must have felt around that. And then... Um, and then she had no... Uh, to me, I just thought, well, yeah, she doesn't have any coping skills to mm-hmm. deal with this, really. Mm-hmm. And so it felt um, genuine to me that it would... What is she, So she just really turned inward so much, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and was... Um, I mean, without any understanding of how to sort of deal with it or reach out about mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that, Faith, to, to build on that, it seems to me that it's pretty realistic and... To be honest, I feel really lucky that um, I haven't had a situation where I felt so desperate. And mm-hmm. I think that you said that. She feels incredibly desperate, and she's come to the country, and she's really here alone. So just to pay the rent, right, mm-hmm. is like huge, huge deal. And I think that, Roberta, that's what leads her to kind of her desperate act mm-hmm. with the coach, um, which makes her feel probably even worse. Mm-hmm. But I also think that, um, you know, I think life here is we really we really expect people to be so independent in the United States and she doesn't really have her family except her aunt who isn't in the same city at that point to rely on and I think that some of us at least take it take it for granted um, a financially that we can support ourselves or have family members who help mm. to support us but also that we really expect people to be so self-reliant in this country and she's she's experiencing that that she's kind of totally on her own and doesn't really have anywhere to turn and just to feed herself and pay the rent, which is also a new experience mm. for her, right? Yeah, and in and country. in particular, I'm, really I'm just rough. remembering when she was surprised when she was invited out to eat. That's right. Because for her culturally, okay, I'm invited out to eat. Mm, right. You are providing a meal for me. Right. But instead what happens, they all split the check. That's right. And that's definitely an independent, like, well, yeah, of course, we're all yeah. paying our own way. Yeah. Um, that's new for her as well and yeah. has to be fairly frightening yeah. to have to figure that out. It's rough. 
I cried, I like sobbed yeah. through this chapter. <laughs> and I'm just I'm just looking at some of the words. I, I also like was I was sitting on a train and I remember crying and then reading some more and then crying and then reading some mm. more and just my own sorrow and, and longing for home and especially yeah. over the, the the holiday season when I'm not home. I haven't been home in three years and I miss it's my family lot. crazily yeah. and so like when I read her words, um I think the the writing is also just mm. beautiful. Yes. Yeah, I and I and I, I I read right when she's walking back from the from the coach's house to the train and she says, mm. I'm feeling heavy and slow and her mind was choked with mud. Mm. And just that imagery of like can you like feel like your mind being mm. choked with mud? Like there can't be a coherent thought, right? Like it's just mm-hmm. it's just crazy. The, the depth of the despair that she feels. Yeah. And then later on she writes and says, I felt, um, FM felt detached and floating in a world where darkness descended too soon and everybody was burdened by coats and flattened by the absence of light. Mm. Like the writing is just like... Mm-hmm. Just beautiful. Oh my God. Like it's, it's so beautifully articulated like mm-hmm. that 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 mm. feeling of, of being alone i'm not done yet um so, so this, like like this like i have exactly the same this is not my text i have exactly the same things underlined yeah. in my book and it's like mm-hmm. um she says i'm i'm slowed by sadness and i actually wrote my friend had asked me that day i was feeling particularly down how i was and i said man i'm reading this book and it's not helping me it's mm-hmm. like exactly to saying how i feel <laughs> yeah, i'm slowed right. by sadness i'm frightened you know by the endless stretch that lays ahead of me um that everything seems thickened and that i'm swallowed and lost in a vicious haze mm-hmm. surrounded in a soup of nothingness Beautiful. like it's just it's in, it's insane how well she writes this mm-hmm. and i think Again, it transcends like an 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 immigrant experience. It transcends. Mm-hmm. It's just sure. it's, it's just a, a human experience yes. on so, so many true. levels because yeah. there are so many things that each of us are plagued by. Mm. Um, and so it's like easy to say, oh, you don't know my suffering, right? Mm-hmm. Or my suffering right. is different. And when she writes this chapter, I think there must be something for every single mm. body to take from that, right? Like Absolutely. whenever we are. We are caught in, in, in this despair. And so I, mm. the thing that's, I'm getting to my point. The thing that's, that struck <laughs> me, especially about this writing, is like, how did she know exactly how I feel when I feel like that? Mm. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I, I think that sometimes when people are out, are out there in the world and navigating, mm. and New York City especially Hard. is a lonely, cold-hearted mm-hmm. place. Mm-hmm. Like, if you are new from outside of the world and outside of this country and even from this country, mm-hmm. and you come here and yeah. you don't know people, it is a cold-hearted place. Absolutely. Um, and, like, when you're alone and everybody's out, you know, going to visit family and friends over the holidays and you're by yourself, yeah. you're like, uh, I, I can understand why people, mm-hmm. like, just spiral completely into that Absolutely. depth. Mm-hmm. Because it feels like there's nobody, right? And that your mind, mm-hmm. you're, you're suffering in your in your own thing. And then at the end of the chapter, chapter it's interesting because she says, when her friend says to her, I think you're suffering from depression. And she says, no, 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 no. Depression is what happens to Americans. And that's something yeah. that I told myself yeah. all the time. Like, somebody said to me, I think you're depressed. And I was like, that's for, that's for Americans. South Africans don't get depressed. We just get on with our life. Right? Yeah, and then often I was like, when I went to see a therapist, you know, and like, yeah. she was like, honey, you have depression. You are mm. depressed. You, you need to work. We will, we will work through it. It will be fine. Yeah. And I was like, hmm. 
that's for Americans. That's like white people right. speak, right? And so it's like, right. and often I'm like, no, I'm depressed, right? Mm. Like it's a it's a it's human a thing. characteristic. Yes. And so I'm just like, how does she know? How does mm. she know my life? Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's right. crazy. It's hard to for yeah. me because I was a little like them. Just like tell your roommates like they because. She withdraws so, and that's what depression does, right? Yeah. It sinks you down, yeah. it pulls yes, you in. You mm. can't, you really can't function. And I feel like part of it has happened because part of herself has fractured. Mm. She did yeah. something she thought she would never do. Yeah. She put herself. She she, you know, entered into a dangerous situation out of desperation, right. and that fractured her. Yeah. But then she is so withdrawn that then that withdrawing from that withdrawing mm-hmm. from people separates her from people. And, and even the people who could help her or who could support her. Right. So now she's so withdrawn and separated from them that even the people who could won't and don't. They kind of look at her like, oh, you're, you're annoying me now yeah. and I'm going to mm. dismiss you now because I don't understand. Yeah. And I mm. think that, that it, it creates one of the fundamental misunderstandings where people are, are drowning and drowning and drowning and we're like annoyed by them. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And I think we should sell short the idea of shame. Yeah. Mm. Right? Like, yeah. she feels so totally ashamed, not just of the sex work that she did, but of the just not being able to find a job. Mm. Yeah, sure. Not being right. able to make it in the world. Yeah. And, it, you know, if you're not immediately successful at mm-hmm. the thing you're meant to do, mm-hmm. it's very easy to be ashamed or feel ashamed. Mm-hmm. And then it's natural, or it seems to me that it's natural, that once one feels ashamed... You draw back because mm-hmm. I don't want to be seen this way, mm-hmm. and so yeah. it it's when Roberta you you let off this section by by asking if it seemed realistic, and mm-hmm. it seems incredibly it's realistic. Real. <laughs> it's, I like think a, so. it's a it's a you know it's, there's like a, a slow um, kind of unraveling or descent for yeah. Emily mm-hmm. and um, this this sense of isolation that yeah, she feels. It's huge. Um, just I mean we can I think we can all. We can all see ourselves a little mm-hmm. bit in that yeah. that, mm-hmm. that isolation, that feeling yeah. of shame, perhaps. And and should I think you guys are both talking about something so important? What should I be able to manage? Mm-hmm. What should I be able to do? And then when you can't do it, and as Roberta was attesting to, how shamed you feel and how awful you feel. And I think to go back to some of the language um, that Aditya uses. It's incredibly powerful, right? She was swallowed, lost in a vicious haze, shrouded in a soup of nothingness. Mm-hmm. And she's really getting at that mm-hmm. human feeling and also that feeling of isolation that might come mm-hmm. and could be really deep if you're in a country where you mm-hmm. are kind of fractured and separate and isolated. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what, what Adiche does for me so beautifully is she allows us to feel because mm-hmm. she uses her language and she describes things um, that allow us to walk in Ephemelu's footsteps, yeah. right? And I think that um, that's a real gift. Yeah. And even for those of us who haven't experienced exactly what she has, um, it, it allows us to, to be with her in the experience. I really, I really appreciate that a lot. Because it's a book, you know, right after you know, we go into the depths of despair with her mm. and then an opportunity comes mm-hmm. and, and a change of pace. Mm-hmm. And right. hey, you mm-hmm. know, you can get it after all. Mm-hmm. I think that that's one place where it, it might not be that realistic because mm-hmm. that 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 so job doesn't come around, that job doesn't come mm. right in the nick of time mm. for everybody who's in the situation and and yet like it's not a knock on the book you can't write 40 or 50 pages yeah. of a book but like I'm still depressed mm, right. I'm still in the soup right so so the the 
you know, the narrative has to has to get pushed along. Right. But I guess, you know, this is three right. or four pages out of 350 where mm-hmm. we're sort of taking up this depression. Not to mm-hmm. say that it doesn't come in elsewhere, but it just makes me just kind of feel for people who are in that soup right yeah. now. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And that job may or may not come or that friend may or may not come. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and yeah. people live with depression for years. Yeah. And sometimes... Right. Yeah. They, sometimes they don't live with it. The book deals with a lot of these issues in a pretty graceful way and mm. a pretty subtle way. Um, not just depression, but we talked about you know yeah. the hair and the parallelism yeah. and beauty. And there are lots of these sort of subtle themes that run through. One thing that's not so subtle, though, is how she deals with race yeah. and really mm-hmm. race relations between people. Um, there's a part in Chapter 11 when... Uh, is it Janika? 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 I'm not Janika. Janika. How are we kind of... How are we kind of... I said Janika. 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 Me too. I don't know. So, Janika, Chimamanda, go ahead and call us if we mispronounce that. And we can school us. So, Janika says in Chapter 11, she says, all of us look alike to white people. And... And a lot, there are a lot of, and especially as um, Ephemera starts sharing some of her blogs mm-hmm. with us about race and mm-hmm. is reflecting on mm-hmm. the difference between um, race for African Americans mm-hmm. and race for uh, American Africans. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also other cultures. Uh, I'm just trying to think through, is she presenting a homogeneous understanding of race and culture? Are we meant to agree with Ephemelo's um, pronouncements about how mm. Americans deal with race. Are we meant mm. to question them? Is she reliable or unreliable? This is one of the, I think, touchier subjects in the book is sort of how she deals mm-hmm. with race and uh, relationships between different um, ethnicities. So uh, this will be like kind of our last, our last topic uh, for today. So I just wanted to open it up. We're meant to agree, um, yeah. but like I don't think. That um, that uh, Chimamanda or I don't think there are any pronouncements made mm-hmm. here. Right. Um, I think we're meant to be provoked. We're meant to to you know have conversations. We're meant to 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 reflect on ourselves and our perceptions of racialization yeah. and perhaps Definitely. how we have been racialized and how yeah. we racialize others. And I mean, I think mm-hmm. that's what the 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 books sort of. Um, you know, the, the, a big a big thrust of the book is there, um, and um, but but like I don't know that that yeah I don't know that that we're meant to take the words as either necessarily certainly not true to Chimamanda, but I think also not necessarily true to Ephemeru, right? Ephemilu, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. part of that for me is the is the blog format yeah. perhaps, yeah. and maybe I'm just. Yeah. you know horribly old fashioned but like I feel like blogs are a space a space for kind of working things through yeah. um, right, right. you know and um, I wonder to what extent if I'm was working through thoughts mm. feelings desires boundaries yeah. all of those things yeah. in the blog posts um, they're, they're they're quick they're fast they're edgy they're they're racing. they're racing they are racy but yeah, I mean, we all look the same to white people. Like, I don't even know that that's even like controversial at all. That's right. such a yeah. very common thing that it's is in a popular our, discourse. Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I maybe it depends on on where you're having the discourse. I feel like I know a lot of people who would be very uncomfortable with that being so out there mm. in the open. I think 
we don't do well talking about race in our country in a in a straightforward way. Mm. It's always for like subtleties and through the side and sometimes through jokes, but a lot of times anything that's sort of put out overtly is met with a lot of defensiveness mm-hmm. and and sort of even like accusing of like why would you bring that up or right. you know. I, I kind of agree with I kind yeah. of yeah. agree with Brian and yeah. I agree with you right I think I love the way she talks about race yeah. those of you who know me know that like it's pretty much the only thing I talk about to mm-hmm. people and I have I'm highly opinionated <laughs> and I'm gonna say it so just be ready you know being raised in apartheid <laughs> South Africa sure yeah. it's pretty much how I see the world yeah. right I look through the through this mm-hmm. race lens right. But I remember being so affronted recently when somebody told me that I was bougie. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. And, and, and privileged. And I was so angry. And I was like, do you know who I am? Do you know where I was raised? And the someone person said, mm-hmm. And you also have your degrees from an Ivy League university and your parents have always yeah. educated you well. Mm-hmm. And so you have the privilege of education. And I was like... Interesting. Yeah. Right, and so I had to take that for a moment and sit with it. And so I think when you say Brian, like you're not necessarily mean. I don't think that we're meant to either agree or disagree. But I feel like there are such invitations, right? Yeah, there are invitations for like thought, like we're doing here, talking yeah. about ourselves. But there are also like invitations for ourselves. In- yeah. Who gets to speak? I, I think that that's really crucial, and you know we won't be able to solve that or just <laughs> define that today. No. But who gets to speak and who gets to represent what in different mm-hmm. cultures, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 I know there there are lots of conversations right now about allies, yes. and, and then so you have, you have like people need to speak for themselves or I need to, I want to ally. So I'm going to speak to my community or I want to represent. Oh, but now there's appropriation. So I better not speak too much uh, because then, because so I think Mm -hmm. it can be really tricky. I think that people who don't know, um, about who don't have wide ranging experiences, then don't like the, the conversation seems so complex that they don't know how to enter yeah. in or feel very defensive. Right. Like, well, if yeah. I say anything, then I'm going to just be accused okay, of being right. racist and slave right. owner. So I'm going right. to go ahead and opt out. Right. And then people who mm-hmm. uh, want to opt in, you know, we have lots of miscommunications. Yeah. And yeah. part of that, I think, is yeah. in the reason that we're able to have these conversations because we do know each other and I feel like we have a pretty good and safe space. Yeah. But also to say I agree or I disagree mm-hmm. and know that for the most part... Mm-hmm. I mean, except for faith. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> like we're gonna believe yeah, the best about our intentions, right. and then hang in there through the conversation, mm-hmm. so that we can yeah. work out any sort of right. misunderstandings yeah. or identify any gaps mm-hmm. of our yeah. of our knowledge that would that would make it hard for us to sort of see eye to eye on things. Yeah. But I think across our culture, like it's not safe to talk about. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And people aren't working through it or talking about it. I I get I have trouble with that discourse. Like I understand that it's not safe. But at the same time, like, yeah, I mean, my lack of safety is that my feelings might get hurt, mm, right? right? My lack of safety right. isn't that I might get assaulted, mm-hmm. you know, by an agent of the state based on my, my right. skin color, right? 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 So, right. and I think that, that while it takes a certain kind of courage for white people to show up to this conversation, right? Like, I think that's a mm-hmm. kind of courage that, that people need to just go and freaking dig up and get 
Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I get a little short about this, but um, yeah, I, 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 I totally agree with you that it's, it's challenging for people and people can get extremely defensive. But like that, if, if you think that, that, that the, the, the di- differentiating people by their skin color is wrong, then it's time to have some courage. It's long been time for people to have courage and say, well, that's wrong, and I mm-hmm. want to do something about it, and mm-hmm. that takes courage. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it just takes mm-hmm. the courage to make yourself vulnerable to the, mm-hmm. the, the, to, yeah. to the emotional yeah, impact. Sure. I think to be misunderstood. Yeah, I think, it, I think it's, it's, it's high Brian, time to show up. I think we agree, right? And I think that's the beauty. And also, it's not happening everywhere. No, I know. I think. And that's... That's part of what, hopefully, this book, and I think New York City was, it was pretty cool, right, to choose it, although it's New York City, but um, hopefully it will just be another tool to help people open up these conversations, and again, that sort of safety, oh, look at page 30, I'm not saying it, but she's saying it, Mm -hmm. so let's talk about it, and and really be able to dig into it, because I agree, I mean, I think that you're absolutely right, that people should be having these conversations, and working through some of the misunderstandings, as Roberta said. But um, that's what our country, what we need to start working on. It right? makes me think about that, because there are so many things you can talk about in the book, um, it makes me think about how amazing it would be to have a book club that, yeah. that what they focused on were the blogs. Yeah, sure. Like, 100%. just a yeah. reading guide on the blogs and just read the I blogs. Want, I want you wanted to actually just write the blog. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, that's right. what yeah. I want. And I want yeah. to strip away the layers of character and, and right. what you said. Yeah. Because I'm not, I'm not willing to say that uh, Ifemalu's voice is Chimamanda's voice. No, um, maybe not. You know, I, I think that's a, a thing that happens all the time where right. artists are sort of tagged with their characters. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking here of, uh, uh, um, gosh, I just blanked on her name, but the creator of Girls, uh, uh, Lena Dunham, Lena Dunham as yeah. being like, uh, that the, Hannah the, Horvath the is yeah. a Lena Dunham yeah. surrogate. Yeah. And like, so I'm not willing to immediately sure. give sure. that. But at the same time, if it is a, a way for her to be able to get her voice yeah. out there, uh, Chimamanda, for her to get her voice out there, then... Let's do that. Like right. I want. I just want to read the blogs. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm like, let's strip away everything. Shave your head. Right. 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 Let's do this. Read yeah. with. Yeah. And, and, and speaking as an English teacher too, why include the blogs then? Right. Like, what would the book be without the blogs? Yeah. If we took them out, or if we just read the blogs, mm-hmm. would it right. be a different experience? Mm, absolutely. And I'm kind of curious about that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Don't yeah. know that it's her voice. Won't put that out there. But um, I do think she has multiple voices in here, multiple perspectives that mm. she's playing with, mm. and one of those venues is yeah, absolutely. Is the no, agree. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. And, we get, and we get this fun thing, right? Yeah, yeah. And we as readers get this fun thing of getting the context behind the mm. blogs. We right. know yeah. her experience, right. we know her feelings, so it's sort yeah. of like, oh, okay. But like, I don't, I, I kind of don't want to have that context. I kind of just <laughs> want to read the blogs, <laughs> that's right, but. right, that's right. Um, so uh, we're gonna have okay. a reconvening uh, of this book club for parts three and four next week, and then parts five, six, and seven the week Mm -hmm. after that. And maybe if there's time, if you guys are interested, we could do one with just the vlogs. Any sort of closing thoughts? Uh, Anything anybody wants to sort of leave before we we adjourn? It's very formal. Uh, (laughs) Yay, book club. It's very exciting to be on this book club.